Welcome to the Mind Your Body Podcast, episode number nine. This is your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm speaking to a very good friend of mine, personal trainer, Cliff McDonald. So if you want to know more about squat technique and ketosis, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset and I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people, and more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So, how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the show. My name is Jacob Andre, this is the Mind Your Body Podcast, and today I'd like to welcome to the show a good friend of mine, personal trainer, Cliff McDonald. Hey Jacob, thanks for having me. How are you today? Ah, uh, pretty good. Uh, yesterday was was spa day with the clients, so my head's a bit rattled, but uh, I should hopefully make a little bit of sense today. So, we're good mates. You're in the fitness industry as well. All the podcast episodes I've done so far have been over Skype and recorded. Right. This is the first one we're doing where we're sitting down. We're sitting down over a cup of coffee. I've got a flat white, <laughs> you've got a long black. So this is a little bit new for me. How are you going? Oh, pretty good. The coffee's not bad, actually. I don't know how you made it taste that good straight out of the machine but uh, no it's good quite comfortable lovely house you've got here it's hard to find because I didn't even know you had the new fence it is yeah well you drove past as you said 10 <laughs> times already it feels a little bit weird to sit down across from someone and have this recording it's kind does it feel like a weird sensation to you to be chatting um, but know that your conversation is being recorded I'm one of those uh, conspiracy theorist that thinks <laughs> I'm being recorded at all times so <laughs> you don't even have Facebook on your phone no you're right no I mean it, it feels different but you and I we have we'll chat for a day anytime so it's pretty relaxing at the same time I am actually nervous about how long this is going to go for <laughs> because we could sit down and talk for three or four hours quite easily yeah you've got a lot of editing to do to fit it in and when we've done our Facebook lives I think our longest was nearly two hours or about an hour and 45 minutes okay, yeah. actually we destroyed people's data plans <laughs> One podcast at a time. So, Cliff, introduce yourself to the audience and let us know a little bit about yourself. How, how did you come to be where you are today? Well, uh, my name's Cliff McDonald, I'm, and uh, I started the Cliffit uh, business here in Darwin. Um, how did I meet you? I met you. See, I, I got really started with this because I, I really enjoy the human body and and the, the things that it's capable of doing. So when I started looking at um, working in gyms or becoming a personal trainer way back in the day and putting some of this knowledge into into play I met Jacob back at CDU gym yeah geez and it was it was through you I did my first group fitness class I took I think it was a hockey club was it oh yeah that yeah. was my personal stuff that that was, yeah yeah outside I mean this is all outside of the gym we were, we were working at CDU gym yeah. together and then yeah. I, I had Northern Skies Fitness Northern Skies <laughs> Fitness that was it um, and, it and it was and it was great, and I loved I loved your style. I loved the um, the type of people that you you took on as clients, and I loved your philosophy. So I was happy to work with you. What were those philosophies? Just out of interest, um, your holistic approach to it all. Um, you know, I, I I think my idea of holistic training is in terms of you've got to be healthy physically. Uh, mentally and also emotionally I know that sounds a little bit hippie but hear me out is that stress plays a huge role in everything and if you're if you're happy that plays a huge role in everything and these are all intertwined so sometimes if you're feeling a bit low or you're feeling a bit stressed out sometimes exercise can be the best thing to lift all of it up but of course sometimes you can't exercise if you're too stressed out and you're too unhappy yeah that's that's how I, I met you and that was way way back at the beginning and we realise how old we actually are now. Yeah, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So, what was it, you know, so tell us a little bit about Cliff, Cliff the young man. What led you, like you said you're interested in health and fitness. Yep. What was it? What happened in your childhood or um, is there an event or a series yeah, of events? Yeah, I mean, I've always been... You know, I was a child with ADD, so I've always been extremely physical. Is that legitimately ADD? Yeah, like ADHD, diagnosed oh, really? ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and that I have a twin a brother, 
twin brother, so you can imagine how fit my parents had to stay <laughs> trying to keep up with us. Did he have ADHD as yeah, well? Yeah, both of us. Oh, we were always on the school roof. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Poor things. But um, so always, always very physical. Uh, swimming from a, a young age, just anything. Couldn't couldn't get us in the house. Um, but because of that, for whatever reason, I've always been quite quite capable physically and fairly injury free and a lot of that was due to staying so physical throughout my childhood um when i did get injuries because i got into combat sports and i um my working environments were a little bit physical and violent so when i did get injured i was always desperate to try and 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 fix that so i would go to you know uh physios or or chiropractors and stuff and i always felt like there was just this uh, inattentiveness or this this generic oh you've come in with an injury here's the same set of exercises I'd give to anybody else who's got neck pain shoulder pain off you go and and I've always felt that that wasn't good enough so as I began to, to research more and more and this affected what I was looking into at, at university um, and and actually diagnosing and and finding out how complicated the human body is the more I got into that the more I thought oh, okay so I started being able to fix my own problems and then of course um you know through this i also did some study into massage so um being able to then go on and, and help other people who were having chronic pain and, and injuries and, and stuff from there i thought this is fantastic I've, I've found something that i can do that will actually help others and um contrary to popular belief i'm actually quite a nice guy <laughs> so, so that was that's what got me into it i thought here is a way i can genuinely give back to my community and um, and the people that I care about. You just said that your workplace is a little bit physical and violent. Yeah. What is your workplace? Uh, so I was working with Jacob and <laughs> <laughs> so I was working at the juvenile detention centre, which was always understaffed um, and it was always fairly hands-on. We didn't have a, a riot squad. We weren't allowed to have any of the protective equipment because at the end of the day, they're kids. And they are kids, but some of these kids are 90 plus kilos and six foot plus. As you know, you work there too. Yeah. Um, so you know how big these kids can get. And the fact that you have to try and, and restrain them without causing them any harm can make it a little bit difficult sometimes to not get charged or, or tackled or anything. I was fairly lucky. You know, I seemed to get on with them, so nothing ever really happened to me. Yeah. Um, I was never spat on. I never had piss thrown at me. So... Yeah, did you ever cop any of that? No, I didn't cop any of that. Not yet. Luckily, (laughs) that was a yeah, definitely a different, a unique environment that place. Oh, good fun. And all those sorts of places. Yeah. One guy who is very, very knowledgeable in movement is a guy by the name of Ido Patel. Have you heard of him? Oh yeah, Patel. Patel. Yeah. Potato. Patel, potato, potato. Yeah. Um, So, and he was saying one of the things that he suggests is that everyone gets into. Uh, he, or he has this 30-day challenge. Yeah. Um, there's two of them. One's a hanging one, one's a squatting one. And the squatting one goes that you do 30 minutes of sitting in a full deep squat position. No, uh, unweighted, just sitting yep. down, heels on the floor, yep. um, in a full deep squatted position um, for 30 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be in one go. It might be 10 seconds here, 30 seconds there, two minutes at another time, whatever it might be. Yep. And just getting into that position and is very beneficial for particularly your lower body but not just you know the muscles and tendons and ligaments and joints but also even your digestive system and other systems in the body um, endocrine system for example nervous system but just getting in and actually folding the joints and folding to the full range of motion and I'm very interested in that that's something I think I'd it's a challenge I'd like to have a go. I actually did it this morning. I See, was this, out and I did again, two minutes. This is sitting. what I don't... Another thing I don't like about the fitness industry is you've got to have a gimmick. Now, Ido Patel, as well as other people, they've got some... They're very knowledgeable guys and he is exactly right in terms of hip health and stopping any kind of hip surgery later on in life. The best thing you can do is a full-depth Chinaman eating hasta grass squat with your with your you know without don't bring your chest forward keep your chest up but get your bum your hips past your knees it is the best thing you can do for both your knees and your hips but and your ankles too a lot of people can't keep their heels on the ground that's true that's true and to start off with i would i would argue that 
just go down in, into that position on the balls of your feet and let your heels drop, um, pop up. Oh, actually, no, maybe I wouldn't. Let me think <laughs> yeah. about that. No, uh, I would, the what best I thing would you suggest would do. is you put your heels on a book so that you've got something there. So if you are sitting in that deep squat position and you can't get your he- keep your heels on the ground, yeah. have your heels wedged up on exactly. something like a book. Think of it as a big, long piece of string from your toes, up the back of your ankles, back of your knee to your bum. So if, you're, if that string is too tight anywhere, you won't be able to get down into a full squat without your heels coming up. So all you have to do is keep, keep either stretching that string till it's long enough to get your hips down without your, your heels coming up or do a knee to wall stretch. So the idea behind this is take your foot, so your toes are about, say, a palm width away from the wall, and then try and push your knee to the wall without your heel raising. If your knee can reach the wall, depending on the size of your foot, if your knee will reach the wall, chances are you've got enough flexibility throughout your Achilles tendon, your ankle, in, in terms of your ankle mobility, and there's enough there for you to be able to full, do a full depth squat. But then that's the most common one. Now, different people have different tightness and different problems elsewhere, but the most common thing you'll find if you're trying to get down into a full depth squat and you keep falling over, one way or the other, try a knee-to-wall stretch and see if that's where the problem is. And I think also, you know, by keeping your heels wedged up on something and continuing to do that, it's, you're just naturally getting that movement anyway. Yeah. And it's not about going up and down, it's about holding sitting it. Sitting at the bottom sitting, too, Yeah, right? and it will eventually strength, lengthen out um, your yeah. Achilles tendon. Um, well, all right, well then, while we're down this ranting wormhole, <laughs> let's keep going. What else do you want to rant about? Oh, where do I start? Well, I think I think with the fact that everybody does have a gimmick is a, is a problem. So things like the thirty day challenges, yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of them at all because people promise things. No, but I think that they're co- I think they they I think challenges are very very effective. I don't necessarily think thirty days. I think thirty days is actually challenges too long. are effective in but to, in terms of to start a routine or a habit. Yeah, I think yeah, but um, the, it comes down to body management as well so if you're telling someone say that there was a for a while there was the push-up challenge the squat challenge there's a few of these 30-day challenges coming along and every single day you would be increasing your reps now what is the most important aspect of self-improvement not exercise it's what sleep yeah rest so it's when you're resting so if your challenge every day that month is to do another rep what what benefit are you getting from that other than it's going to be exponentially harder because not only are you trying to do more of what you were doing but your body is more and more fatigued the biggest problem of course with this is your muscles grow and strengthen at a much higher rate than your tendons and ligaments so even though you're capable of doing these things your tendons your ligaments aren't catching up so when people are doing these 30-day challenges all of a sudden you've got people popping up with uh, tendonitis or tendinopathy of the elbow of the knee hip and, and what that tells them instantly, A, other than the fact that they get to the end of 30 days and they haven't had this miraculous change of their body, but they're sore. Okay, exercise isn't for me. I'm not a fan of the 30-day challenges because I feel it turns more people away than it does. And maybe that's it. other challenges, but I think that squat challenge where you're just holding a squat probably wouldn't be too bad. I, I think 30 minutes might be initially too much. I think maybe to start off with, it could be five minutes. This is probably where you're going with this, where it's just generic 30 minutes. For someone who is an elite athlete, 30 minutes is going to feel like nothing. For someone who's 30 kilos overweight and hasn't exercised for five years, it's going to be very difficult. If they don't have the mobility, all of a sudden they're trying to hold a half squat. Yeah, and it's it's going to be, yeah, and even just sitting in that position, the muscles are going to sort of seize up a bit. It's going to be tough. So I see where you're coming from with that um, and that challenges need to be sort of you know um, staggered and let, let you build up um, so I'll, I'll give you that one I do like challenges so long as they're done in the right way yeah. and to touch on so I mentioned and just because people might be wondering using a challenge as a goal is different to say a 30 day challenge where you, if you don't and because the second you give someone a 30 day challenge not only are you saying you're overloading them too early too, too, too soon but you're disappointing them at the end of the 30 days. Because if you think you're gonna get abs from a 30-day sit-up challenge, you're wrong. Yeah, well, let me explain why I'm such an advocate for challenges. So a couple in July, Holly, my partner, went away um, overseas for two weeks. And so I, knowing how routines and habits work, having a change in my usual routine is a very, very good time to 
implement a new routine because everything's been changed up. So it's not a big jump to add something new to it. Your body's already going, what's going on? For me personally, it was having the four kids, having to do everything on my own as a single father, cook dinner, clean, do the washing, do the dishes, get the kids in the bed, get their teeth brushed, feed them, all that kind of thing, and then still try and work and and everything else. So already my routine changed. So I said to myself, okay, well, I'm going to do a two-week challenge to get back on track with my own fitness because as your life changes, you know, even for me who's in the fitness industry and as well as the sports industry and education industry, got a lot of things going on. Yeah. And it's very easy for me to prioritize other things beyond my own health and fitness with a pretty busy life. So I have to be very conscious and deliberate about choosing health and fitness. Anyway, it had sort of dropped off a bit because, you know, of other things becoming busy. This was the time when I was finishing up lecturing and that yeah. was a very, very busy and stressful you were very time. Very stressed, yeah. And um, I wanted to. Make, make exercise more of a routine in my life again. And so I did this two-week challenge. And for me, it worked very well. But what, I re- what I'm realizing now was that I did it and gradually built up. I didn't just go and say, okay, I'm going to run 5Ks every day. Yeah. And what I did do in that two-week challenge was the first day, it, it has to be very easy. You have to make it, there's a whole ecosystem of, of routine. One of the things is, you know, kind of hack your environment. So make it easy for you to fall into the habit. So ease is another one. Um, you've got to choose a behavior which is very easy to do. Secondly, you've got to create um, reminders in your environment and then um, efficiency and effectiveness are the other two. Um, and so what I did was I decided I was going to, there's a loop that I like to follow. There's actually two loops now, but there's a one loop I like to follow, which is 3.2 Ks from my home. And I thought to myself, it's been a while since I've run this, so I don't know how I'm going to go. And I know that if I go out and I struggle to, and I push through, push through, and I grit my teeth, and I use all my, you know, mental toughness to get through, it's going to be so much harder tomorrow mentally. I'm not even getting onto the physical physicality yet mm. of, you know, my muscles going to be a bit sore because all of a sudden I've started running again. But physically, I'm going to, it's going to be so much harder to do this again tomorrow. So I went, okay, there's no pressure, no pressure at all. I can yep. walk. All I'm going to do is just go out and walk. Yep. And I ended up, I think I ran for a little bit of it, but only because I was just chomping at the bit to start running. And so I ran for a little bit and I thought, yeah, I'm starting a little bit tired. You know what? Just stop, just stop. And I think too many fitness trainers out there go, yeah, go hard, go hard. First session, boom, let's smash it. Yeah. Oh, and then the person's absolutely wrecked. And like the next for the next five days, they've got severe DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. Yep. And, you know, they come back because, you know, they've paid the money usually for the first period of time. And then they never stick to it because it's just been such a mental toughness fight to keep going after that smashing the first time. So for me, I went out and I just built slowly built up and by the end of the, I think on the third day, because of my background, I was able to get back to it pretty quickly. I think I ran the whole way. I then started adding in music and stuff like that, which I'd never used to like to do, but discovered that that was very effective for me. And um, and even talking on the phone, actually. Um, and then I then, in the next week, changed my route and went on a different um, loop, that and which ended up being 4.2Ks, walked for a little bit of it. And, and as part of that, I was also doing some strength training. So... I just wanted to make that clear that while I think challenges are very, very effective, you've just made me realize that it's only if there's a gradual in- increase in the physical activity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost not so much a, a challenge as a, uh, it's consistency. Take the pressure off yourself, take the intensity down to zero and start, even if it's literally you get up, if you want to start training in the mornings, get up in the morning walk out your front door, walk for 10 minutes, turn around, come home. or and But then do that again the next day. And yeah, you've got to build day. on. You've exactly. got to build on to it. Get the routine first and then add the intensity yeah. once it's part of your life, part of your structure. And full disclosure here, at the end of the two weeks, I did actually fall back off. You know, So even someone like me who knows every, every, you know, not everything, <laughs> but so much stuff about yeah. routines and habits and the mindset of it all and the way the psychology works as well as the physical side of it yeah. in terms of training, I still fell off the wagon at the end of the two weeks. And the reason for that is that I said to myself, okay, you have to reward yourself for doing this. You've got to the end of the, of the, two, the weeks. two weeks. I felt fantastic. <laughs> I felt so good about myself. 
and and I actually think one week is is okay. It's probably very minimal. Yeah. Um, two weeks is probably the best time frame. Thirty days I think is too long, but and there is no des- designated time frame for creating a habit. You know, there is no like okay, I've got the thirty days. Boom, it's a habit now. Boom, so I'm going to do it every no single effort. day. Yeah. Um, it depends on a whole bunch of other things, and emotional attachment is a massive thing, mm. uh, and motivation and all that. But so your reasoning for why you want to do it in the first place. But at the end of the two weeks, I got. Um, Holly came back from holidays and routine started to go back to normal and it got to the Monday and I was really excited about going out for a run I wanted to go for a run I wanted to do my I was actually doing a run every morning and a strength session every afternoon weekdays so I'd done 10 in the two week period Monday through to Friday Friday times 2 on the Monday all I wanted to do was go and do my run and then do the strength workout and I said to myself no don't reward yourself reward yourself reward yourself Big lesson there. Do not ever reward yourself with removing that <laughs> thing that you're trying to create. Reward yourself by giving yourself something. Yeah. Um, so eliminate, you know, um, giving yourself something as, a, as opposed to elimination. And then on the Tuesday, what happened was things came up. Because I was back into my routine, Holly was back. She said, do you want to do this or can you do that? I can't remember what it was. I think she was making me do something. And um, I actually just didn't get a chance to do it and there's you know you could argue and say well you have to make the time for it you know your prior where your priorities lie i didn't prioritize the exercise on the tuesday and other things i let them at the time they felt like a bigger priority and i did them so then all of a sudden i missed another day and the same thing happened on the wednesday life went back to a normal routine i got very very busy and i couldn't or i didn't choose to prioritize the exercise over other things which at the time seemed to be a bigger priority in terms of family and work and so I didn't do it again on the Wednesday and all of a sudden I'm at Thursday and it's nearly been a week since I've last actually exercised and so I thought I've got to do something so I went for my run and then the Friday again I didn't do it and then slipped out of it it was very very all I'd done was grease the slide I hadn't actually slid down the slide I wasn't actually um, you know really on that on that path yet I'd grease the slide I was ready to make exercise a habit and I really needed to get it done on that Monday and so that was a big big lesson for me do you think see and again this is a problem I'll have with the challenges if you hadn't had as a, as a two week challenge by the end of the two weeks would you have stopped no I wouldn't have stopped at all but I kind of feel like the idea of the challenge gave me an end point and I, mm. that's where I think that was very beneficial and there's pros so there's pros and cons for both yeah. do you have a challenge where you've got it, the pro is you've got an endpoint. You know you're reaching for that. There's something that you can strive for, and at the end, you know you might change your challenge up. Certainly, do not ever like I learnt stop your challenge. It's, Keep it's, your challenge it's like going. dieting though. You can't you can't do a, a month diet. It's a lifestyle. So so it's just like with your your exercise. I don't like the fact when it gives you a, a certain number of days. It's I mean it's great to ramp up. It's great to build into things again. But when you're holding out for the end date like it's a finish line of a race then that's and and if that is becoming something that is the only thing keeping you going then it's not something that's uh long term going to keep benefiting you because you're trying too hard and then when you reach that end point and you stop as you just said it's so hard to start again yeah yeah so yeah so i think it's important to know that Yes, you're striving towards this point, but it's not an end point. It's just a point. This yeah. is a long-term lifestyle change. I think, it's like forever. you say, using it as a goal, beneficial. Yeah. And um, then let's change the goal and do something else for the next two weeks yeah. or maybe build on yes. it in three weeks or four weeks. Yeah, so the only downside to, to that story that you were doing was you had the small goal without the big goal. Yeah, yeah. So having the small goals to help out, uh, break up that big goal is probably... Yeah, be a lot probably even a medium goal probably that was lacking why not <laughs> why chuck not? that in there yeah. so you've got a few things prepped what else did you want to talk about today oh this was from uh, last last Saturday or something so I just wanted to uh, talk about um, I guess it was things that the biggest one of the biggest things problems I feel that we've got as a society these days and this was brought to light by you were doing a cooking show oh yeah um, people don't cook We've got not. This isn't everybody. But what are you saying? My my cooking show was no good because no one cooks. They just watched it for the entertainment. No, um, I was saying you watching that you couldn't cook. No, um, <laughs> I can't. It was, it was fantastic. No, you did great. You did great. But the thing was, we've got a generation where the majority of people um, aren't comfortable in the kitchen. 
they don't experiment with spices. They can't they can't substitute flavors. If they were looking at a, a, a recipe, they wouldn't say, oh, well, I don't have any of this in the house. I can substitute it with this because it's similar. The, the, the cooking competencies have dropped down so much in this generation that that's where a big health problem comes from. That's why we've got so many bags of chips. We've got so many takeaway outlets. We've got so many quick go and pick up meals because we're, we're no, we're, we have a generation of people, not just, not just one generation now, of people who just don't have the confidence in the kitchen to be cooking. And that's where such a big health thing comes from. It's people aren't in general lazy. People aren't too lazy to go and cook healthy meals. People go in the kitchen and think, where do I start? So then they'll say, all right, I'm going on a health kick. I've got downloaded all these healthy recipes from somebody, somewhere. I went and bought all the ingredients. All right, time to try cook it. And they just have headache after headache because they make mistake after mistake. And next thing you know, they're going, oh, bugger that. I can't be bothered spending three hours trying to cook one meal. I'm going to go and get pizza or, or whatever instead. So I'd love it if there was... Uh, and then, of course, the other huge rise has been these... Um, delivered meals yeah you know all of these oh we'll deliver meal the meal, meal preps people doing meal preps for you which is fine if you want to use it go ahead and, and do it but it's someone else taking half an hour to honestly I'll write you up right now a meal prep guide for six days worth of food that you could knock off in an hour without and, it's, and I'm not talking about you know Gordon Ramsay trying to race around the kitchen screaming and swearing at people I'm talking about throw some stuff in the oven throw some stuff on the stove and then away you go and it's an hour out of basically a week. And so what are you saying? That you, you're all for meal prep or you're not? I'm for doing your own meal prep. Yeah. Not so much for having to order it in. Um, and I, I think a huge part of that comes down to people having to... Honestly, if you're listening to this out there, go out and just try something in the kitchen. Make mistakes. We, we're a generation that doesn't like to make mistakes anymore. And that includes the kitchen. Make the mistakes. Don't just think, oh, well, if... If it wasn't explained out to me on the internet, it was too hard to do. Just think, okay, try it. If you burn it, try again next time. If it tastes great, wicked, try that again. But go out, go, jump in the kitchen and be willing to make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the things, one of the recommendations I can make for not knowing how to cook, I, I'm a useless cook. <laughs> I don't know how to cook and I reckon I've probably cooked, apart from those 12 nights yeah. you're talking about, yeah. again, while Holly was away <laughs> during that period, um, I did the Facebook live videos for 12 nights and caught it the dad who can't cook and I was feeding the, you know, all the kids and, and trying to feed myself as well. One of the best things to do is to do it live. So obviously you can see these videos that you're referring to on my Facebook page, yep. which is just Jacob Andre or at Jacob T. Andre. <laughs> and I, I did a whole bunch of different things from the amazing chocolate cake through to um, <laughs> Moroccan um, beef or something. Yeah. But doing them live, people were actually tuning in and watching me um, cook, cook dinner. Yeah. You know, pretty boring surely there's something better on tv than watching oh, me cook dinner mate, i'd watch you i'd watch you paint a wall and watch it dry <laughs> but i'm super grateful for all the people who did uh and it was a, it was awesome fun and by doing that people were actually commenting and saying do this do that and there's so many things that i could have stuffed up yeah. that didn't get stuffed up because i had people telling me what to do one of them <laughs> was we had um corned beef and yep. you know white sauce Cooking the Whoa. white sauce. I've never cooked white sauce before and I attempted it live on Blimmin' Facebook. And it was actually really, really good. It turned out it looked like white sauce. Right. And it tasted just like, you know, Holly or my grandmother um, made it. White sauce. Was that your nickname in high school? <laughs> <laughs> but it... But honestly, the reason why I didn't stuff it up is because I had people telling me what to do. So if anyone, I reckon this is this is a little trick for how to, helping people learn how to cook. Because you're saying people are not lazy. You're saying people are just lacking the knowledge of how to cook. And that's me. And I'm people, not lazy. People don't like I to just, make mistakes anymore. Yeah, we live in a generation know. where you've got the answer to everything online, essentially. So yeah. people, if, if I can't find the answer to how to do it exactly right then forget about it. Because and I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. Like we got all Tupperware in the kitchen yeah. cupboards. Go and grab some Tupperware. Well, what the hell do I put in the blimmin' Tupperware? And what do I mix it with? And how much of that stuff do I mix it with? I could end up with cornflakes and beef put together for, for my knowledge. But I was able to 
get that knowledge from other people live right there and then without having to even go to the internet and search for it. I could ask someone. I had all these people in my kitchen. Well, how about this? How about if, you know, uh, as an adult going to group cooking, you know, people going to a big group, you're hiring out a, um, a home ec classroom from a school and getting a bunch of mates in to try and cook a dish together. Would, I think that, that's a, would that be similar or? A business idea there for you. Oh, right. <laughs> cooking. Yeah. But uh, cooking classes, I've certainly been Flips number four. cooking tips. And you could, you know, go into a cooking class is... is Today right. we're broiling chicken. <laughs> but the, the thing about that is that, you know, like it, cooking has become a bit more of an in popular thing to do thanks to TV shows like My Kitchen Rules and MasterChef and all those, which I know you love. That is nothing <laughs> to do with cooking. But there I think is people, no cooking on those shows. I think people are more are more interested now in cooking at home because of those TV shows. Despite don't you think, what you might don't think, you think that, that show puts people off cooking? <laughs> the, whole, the whole point of that show is let's turn trying to make a dinner into a complete disaster. People break down, there's tears, everything always goes wrong. And they're trying to make such complicated dishes, which, of course, they're not making. They're not making these dishes for the most part, you know. That like the, the majority. What are you saying? The producers are making them behind the scenes. They've got chefs to do, making no. the dishes. Look at us. No, I'm not even kidding. Honestly, it's what they've got. They're not even having to make the dishes. So when they're there biting their fingers, ah, oh, does he like it? Well, why do you care? You didn't make the thing. No. But on top of that, these these are regular Joe Blows. You're t- trying to tell people on my audience that like essentially the same thing as trying to say to children that there's no Santa Claus or Easter Bunny oh yeah sorry about that (laughs) but there isn't (laughs) for a start but of course there is if there are any kids of course yeah I mean don't get me wrong you know in fact there he goes oh ho 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 watch your mouth Cliff (laughs) sorry Santa um but yeah, there is nothing real about reality TV at all. And I actually think there's, just like The Biggest Loser is bad for people's health, I think that My Kitchen Rules and that other cooking one you said, MasterChef, is bad for people's cooking. No, so, you know, so now you're going to try and tell me that Biggest Loser is not good because that doesn't help encourage people to try and Jacob, go and be Jacob, I'm not going to try. And... I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Look, The Biggest Loser, uh, studies have shown what's happened to honestly honestly studies have shown that when you go on a calorie deficit or when you go on a starvation diet which is entirely what the show is about that it's a uh, a never ending a, a forever reducing resultant by which I mean as you starve yourself your basal metabolic rate drops, which means you have to starve yourself more. And as you starve yourself, of course, your basal, meta- basal metabolic rate drops even more, which is the, the calories that you burn just from being alive each day. So the more you starve yourself long-term consistently, the more you have to starve yourself to get any any end, end game results. On top of that, again, it's reality TV. So you've got these guys who they take from being monstrously overweight and at the end of the day, the biggest change they're going to see is from eating it like a normal person as opposed to having to blend donuts together just to fit it in. But they show these people busting their asses off from day one. And what that says to, to your mate who's sitting on the couch massively, morbidly obese is, all right, if you want to start getting any results, you have to go and kill yourself every single day to get any results at all. And then on top of that, they show the weekly weigh-in. The weekly weigh-ins aren't weekly. There could be a month or two go by. So these people are dropping 12, 20, 30 kilos in a week. Oh, well done. And then you start and you drop 500 grams in a week and you think, oh, well, I can't do it right. I'll give up. There is no positive effect from the biggest loser. So what are you saying about the calories in, calories out? So star- studies into starvation diets, which is what you'll get if uh, it's, it's, it's essentially the fastest way to lose weight, as in the fastest way to make the numbers go down on your scale is to starve yourself. Now, when people come to me and they say, Cliff, I want to lose weight, I say, you don't want to lose weight, you want to change the composition of your body. You don't want to look exactly the same, but be a smaller person. You don't want to have the same dimensions as a as 160 kilo person, but just be 130 kilos and look the same, you're wanting to lose fat and gain muscle. And if you're just starving yourself, you're starving your muscles as well as your fat. And as you're doing that, your body adapts to starvation. And what happens when your body's adapting to starvation? It goes into storage mode. 
So you have to keep, your energy levels will drop because your body starts saying, all right, I don't get the energy I in, I need to. So I need to store as much as I can for when I have emergency use of this energy. So slowly, slowly, yeah, you're gonna keep losing weight, but it's going to have to be more and more and more dramatic. You, everybody should do this. There's a million different styles of, of losing fat and, and or gaining muscle. There's a million different ways of doing it. There are different ones suit different people. Um, there isn't a catch-all for everybody, but the safest way to do it is to find out what your basal metabolic rate is, by which I mean, how many calories are you burning every single day just from being alive? And there's so many subcategories that, that we look at here in terms of calories out. So your, your basal metabolic rate is your biggest one. The biggest amount of calories that you burn on a daily basis is your BMR, which is your body's function, your, your metabolism and everything. On top of that, you've got exercise. So deliberate exercise has a big effect on how many calories you're burning. So eat to your basal metabolic rate. Say for, for you, for example, that might be 2,500 calories a day. You should eat your 2,500 calories a day. And then you should exercise to burn off, say, Even if I want to lose weight. So you're Even telling if, me if I'm... Yes, because the safest thing for you to do would be to eat to your basal metabolic rate and then exercise off 500 calories. So it's almost essentially don't worry about your nutrition. No, don't worry about the energy in relation to your nutrition. Worry more about the exercise in relation to the energy. So when I'm talking about nutrition, I'm only talking about energy here. I'm not talking about the different foods that you're mm. eating. Mm. I'm just talking about energy. You're saying keep your energy intake up yes. and just increase your energy out. Expenditure, yeah. yeah. So what are you saying then in regards to the actual specifics of the nutrition and not talking about energy because energy is just one small part of the yeah. puzzle when it comes to nutrition. So in terms of our, our nutrition, I mean, where do you start? Because there are so many different avenues you can take in terms of changing your body composition. But um, the, the, the best way to look at it, oh, the point I was about to make, I've got so many of them, <laughs> so many of them, they sort of bottleneck on their way out. Uh, um, but in terms of the actual nutrition, you need to look at why you're hungry. You need to look at what's making you hungry. Now, we talk. you hear a lot of people of people talking about their macros. You've got to hit your macros. You've got to make sure you're getting your macronutrients, which is your protein, carbohydrates, and your fats. But what leaves people feeling hungry is your micronutrients. So if your body is craving, we'll just say salt, for example. If your, crave, if your body has got a salt or say a vitamin, D deficiency, your body sends a signal to your brain saying, hey mate, I'm out of this, can you go get some more? But unfortunately, your brain interprets that as, bing, I'm hungry. So your brain says, okay, I'm hungry, time to do something about that. So you reach for your snack food because you're hungry. Now your snack food, I mean, if it, depending on what it might be, a lot of the time it tends to be more of your junky, quick, easy to get to foods. So you'll eat that, say for example, a bag of chips or some chocolate or even an apple, even some bread thinking that that's going to fill you up. But next thing you know, you're not feeling satiated because your body is still missing your, your vitamin D or that salt level that it needs. So you keep feeling hungry. So you keep eating. And of course, the problem with that is that's still your calories going up, but the feeling of satiation, the feeling of no longer feeling hungry doesn't go away at all. So people really need to take more into consideration their, their micronutrients as well as their macronutrients. That's a very, very interesting and valid point. Um, so in terms of to go up a level to the macronutrients, the yep. proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, one of the best places to start in terms of eliminating hunger is to increase your protein. So forget about just micronutrients sure. now and getting them up, which is a very good point. Um, protein and, and also fat helps to keep you fuller for longer, but particularly protein. Sure. Um, fat is obviously a lot higher in um, calories. Yeah, much um, Nine calories per gram, is that correct? And four calories for carbohydrate and protein per gram. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. I'll have to double check that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I certainly know that fat, there's more energy in fat yeah. than what there is in protein yes. and carbohydrate. However, protein has a more of a satiating effect, which means it makes you feel fuller and, and fat, for longer. And fat as well. Yeah. Um, so what's your take then on something like a ketogenic diet, which is all about increasing your protein and fat? Um, well, there's, you know, obviously it's, it's having a bit of a comeback, the ketogenic diet. 
and there's so many traps to fall in with it. So the ketogenic diet is you, your body trying to go off glycogen, which is your main energy source. It's Norm- a storage form of glucose, yeah. Exactly right, which is normally from your carbohydrates. It's trying to get your body off glycogen as a, pe- as a, as, as a petrol source, as a fuel source, and get it onto ketones instead. Now, the biggest problem that a lot of people focus on, and this ties in with both of them when they're going on a ketogenic diet, is one, they have too much protein. So a ketogenic diet, if you want to spark off ketosis in the body, you need to be looking at about 70% of of your macro intake as fat. Because what happens is your body is so used to creating glycogen through your Krebs cycle that once it runs out of carbs, once you don't have enough carbohydrates in your system, your body says, well, okay, I'm still churning through my Krebs cycle, I'm still running on glycogen, all right, let's go grab some of this protein and turn this protein into glycogen instead. So you need to really up, you need your minimal protein essentially for for muscle development and muscle growth, about, you know, six grams per, per per um, kilo or so, 0.6 grams, but you need to be looking at really having a high density fat diet because that's gonna keep you feeling full, it's gonna be delicious, but it's also what's gonna get your body kicking into ketosis instead. And a big mistake a lot of people make is they don't have enough fat. So they essentially, and you see the Atkins diet. So the Atkins diet was predominantly protein with no carb. And that falls down because it's not putting the body into ketosis. It's predominantly protein, which of course just gets converted into glycogen anyway. So yeah, so increase your your fat yeah. intake. Yeah. And where would what sort of foods are we talking about? Uh, purely KFC. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best thing you can do for for getting into ketosis is get your nuts. Uh, if you, I mean, the easiest way is meat, obviously. But if you're you're off meat altogether, so you're vegan. Nuts is an amazing source for high fat. Uh, vegetables, anything above the ground is going to be low carb. Anything under the ground is is high carb. So get plenty of veggies in, but get the stuff that grows above the ground, not under. Um, nuts is amazing. What's that? What? Oh, lettuce. Celery. Lettuce, for example, versus oh, potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, just anything above the ground. Uh, nuts are amazing. Cashews, not so much, but uh, well, cashews are actually considered a nut. Um, did you know that? So they're not actually a sorry a seed. They're not actually a nut. Sorry, right. Ah, uh, well, cashews perfect. and peanuts are actually part of the seed family, right. and so they're not t- technically a nut and like that, almonds and yeah. macadamia. Are. And they're both about forty percent carbohydrate versus macadamia, uh, pecan, which are you know both of them are delicious, and almonds. Um, if you want the highest fat content, highest fat bang for your buck with your nuts. It's your pecans and your macadamia. Almonds are a great source of fat and protein, but um, surprisingly filling. And these are the things you should look at uh, eating. And butter. Get actual butter in your meals when you're cooking and oil. Butter, oil, nuts, veggies grown above ground. And if you are a meat eater, which I definitely am, (laughs) get plenty of meat, steak, chicken. Um, You can go the leaner meats if you want to. But honestly, you don't need to. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting about the... Because, um, you know, like I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, yeah. you know, mum used to always be taking the skin off the chicken yeah. because, oh, we're yeah. trying to reduce our fat. Yeah, yeah. Which, and that's, I mean, I could rant about that again for another couple of weeks. <laughs> but uh, no, fat is honestly your friend. Now, there are extremes. Trans fats, fats from takeaway, fats from junk food. They're not going to be good for you because trans fats your body can't do anything with. But your natural fats, stay away from margarine as well. Yeah. But your natural fats, so your butter, your oil, even vegetable oil, you know, in moderation. Um, uh, yeah. Coconut oil and olive oil are two best oils to, yeah. Yeah. to be having um, yeah. for everything which is in them. And there's, uh, and actually, you know, um, apart from the protein uh, content of nuts, there's actually I forget what it's called. Let um, starts, I'm sure it starts with Lettison. an L. That is in nuts, which actually suppresses hunger. So protein already suppresses hunger, as we said. Yeah. But there's actually lettuce. Uh, yeah, I can't remember uh, what it actually is. I was just trying to look it up. Um, but as we said before, I, I just double checked it, and it is four grams. Um, 
four calories per gram in protein and carbohydrate and in fat there's nine calories per gram there you go so An informed podcast that never yeah. makes mistakes so it, it is you know so they are high in energy yep. um intake but it's going to and fat doesn't really make you feel as full as what protein is mm. going to and we're looking at the density of fat versus the density of carbohydrates it's a lot if fat will fill you up faster it is a denser calorie but it's also very filling. Anyone who's had a, a fatty meal and you've sat down patting your belly, feeling very full for yourself, same with protein, as you say. So that is a bit misleading when they're looking at fat as a per gram versus carbs per gram. So you wouldn't, you would fit uh, <laughs> the same amount of fat in terms of weight in a bag of chips versus the actual chips would take a disproportionate size because fat is so much denser as a meal as well as uh, per calorie. We also have to look at the um, the length of the fatty acid chain. And so Brilliant. medium chain um, fatty acids, for example, are better than short chain fatty acids. Uh, and so that's where coconut oil, which is full of fat and also full of saturated fat, um, which is a whole bunch of research, and I'm sure you could get into this, oh, yes. um, on how saturated fat is actually good for Absolutely. us. Yeah. Um, but it is the the medium chain triglycerides, the fatty acids in coconut oil. That's it actually takes longer to digest, and it, the body actually searches for that. It, it uses that as a preferred energy source. So if you've got that in your system, the body will go for that first. It will want to use that up. Brilliant. All right, um, we might start wrapping it up unless you've got anything else you want to talk about. Um, just with the the change in weather up here in Darwin and everyone starting to put their, their sunglasses back on, keep in mind that when you are buying sunglasses, don't just get ones with tint, get one with UV protection. The reason for this, of course, being that just because the tint is there means that your eyes aren't reacting to the fact that they're getting smashed by the sun. But without the UV protection on the glasses, and I'm not getting sponsored by Ray-Bans or anything, <laughs> but if you don't have the UV protection, your eyes, you're not squinting, you're not trying to protect your eyes from the UV light, but you are still getting smashed with, that, with the UV rays from the sunlight. So if you're going to be wearing glasses around, make sure you're wearing sunglasses with UV protection. Yeah, when I've put on sunnies, which don't aren't polarized, yep. I end up having sore eyes yeah. than not wearing because it kind of tricks your brain, doesn't it? And yeah, you, dead right. your brain thinks that you've got something covering. It's not as bright as what it is, but all that UV all is that coming UV is still, straight through and hitting yep. the back of your eyeballs. Yep, and nuking your eyes. <laughs> Anything else, Cliff? Um, have you have you put your vote in? Oh, for same-sex marriage. same-sex marriage, for marriage equality. <laughs> no, I haven't, actually. You haven't. I'm sure you're going to tell us which way you're voting. You've got to do your part. You've got to vote yes. Um, I do think... <laughs> I mean, how, how frustrating is this group of people out there who are saying, oh, it's okay to say no. You shouldn't feel bad about saying no. The irony, of course, is lost on them that they're trying to say you shouldn't feel bad about making a choice while they're trying to vote against other people being able to make their own choice. Yeah, well... I actually, I don't have a, probably have plenty of friends who are very, very good people in all aspects of their life, um, who are gay, lesbian, transgender, everything else, and um, I think love is love, so for me, I'll, yeah, I'll be voting yes. Brilliant. Good on you. And I love how, Cliff, you've just come on and you've been unapologetically um, upfront about all of your beliefs, <laughs> very strong-minded individual you are. Come so the way I like to end all of these interviews is to go through 10 questions, 10 short and sharp questions, Ooh, the, the 10 and 10. Right. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out because my whole other program with, you know, I'm doing is 10 and 10. And Everybody's a got a gimmick. OCD about um, getting onto something and, and latching onto it. So yeah. going with the 10, I yep. don't know how to make it um, 10 in 10, but it's quick. 10 questions. Right. And um, it's, it's, just short and sharp, nice and quick. Given your first response, it might be one word, it might be a full sentence, whatever you want to do. Just See the first thing that comes word. to mind. Right. Yeah, I, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, all right, you ready to go? Yeah. Number one. Dogs. <laughs> purple. <laughs> Keep going. What comes after purple then? That's it. That's it. It's the only two things that ever go through my head. Well, your Clifford branding is purple, yeah. so maybe that's why you've gone purple. Yeah. <laughs> purple, what comes to mind? Clifford. Clifford. Fitness. Fitness. Health. Health. 
Longevity of life. Longevity of life. Happiness. Two more happiness. That's it. That's it. That's, oh, that's, that's Nirvana. No that's, more. Uh, you've, Nirvana. Reached it. you've reached it. Reach. All right. The ten questions. Number one: Education and politics. They uh, they have to be kept separate, but at the same time, um, education has got to be a bigger part of politics. We don't concentrate on enough when we go to the polls. Tertiary education. It needs to be put back more into emphasis on on learning and less emphasis on profitability. Technique training. The most important part of any fitness regime is technique. Consistency beats anything else. If your technique isn't right, you increase your chance of injury. If you're injured, you can't train. If you can't train, you cannot progress. It's That is key. <laughs> Ranting. One, one word answer. Ranting, Cliffy. <laughs> Challenges. <laughs> Love them. Society. <laughs> Community. <laughs> Dogs. <laughs> Purple. <laughs> Reality TV. Terrible. Nutrition. I mean, if you, nutrition is, again, if you want to live a longer life, a healthier life, you have to be focused on nutrition. Ketosis. Uh, for certain people, it is the most effective form of fat loss. And the last one, this is the one I ask... For certain every, people. <laughs> this is the one I ask every single person. If you could go back in time or forward in time, which would you choose and why? Uh, can I come back to here after I've gone? Yeah. I'd go forward and get lottery numbers. <laughs> I would go forward and I would find out what the most recent research, everything that we might be wrong about now and things that we are, say, for example, I'd love to find out where the debate ends on tendinopathy versus tendinitis so I can come back and know what it is now so I can put all my effort into that instead of something else. You know, all that stuff is people... Uh, usually like run out of town because they think that they're crazy people yeah. Yeah. if history is you know shows anything those people that have actually been right hundreds of years down the track were crazy in their time yeah fair enough fair so enough. you know not all the time some of them that most, were running yeah, out of town for being crazy were just crazy I think there's plenty of people that think that you're crazy though yeah, I think I'm going to get run out of town <laughs> All right, Cliff, I want to acknowledge you for everything that you've done in your life and everything you do for all the people you work with and help. So thank you for everything that you do. Of course, um, we'll link up where to connect with you in all the show notes, but just let everyone know where where you can. Uh, best place to get me is cliffit, C-L-I-F-F-I-T dot com dot A-U or email me on getcliffit at gmail. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, it's just Cliff McDonald. I do a lot of work with uh, mental health as well. So if you're someone or you know someone out there, and we've just had RUIK okay Day, but if you know someone out there who is suffering from any kind of mental health, depression, anxiety and whatnot, um, try and get them to get in touch with me or get in touch with me. I'm more than happy to help you help them. Um, it's just these people are out there and they need help and support. Cliff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on to and having a very open and honest and frank conversation on the Mind Your Body podcast. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> we'll see all the rest of you in the next episode thanks for joining and listening in are you frustrated that no matter how much you try no matter how good you plan to eat no matter how much you intend to exercise you just can't seem to stay on track with your health and fitness goals do you feel like your best of intentions to have more energy and feel better about yourself results in having even less energy and feeling down what if there was something you were missing what if eating healthy was actually enjoyable What if you looked forward to exercise? What if moving more could actually be really easy? I've put together a free ebook just for you, detailing the strategies for having more energy and feeling better about yourself. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. To get instant access absolutely free, simply visit jacobandre.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-A-N-D-R-E-A-E.com.